Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. I'm going to maybe throw a little curveball at you, Dev, if you're cool. Do you think we could sing uh, Victory? I want to see a victory at the end. Sure. You guys down? All right, they didn't know I was going to do that, but I just felt like, so they got you, Jory. Um, We're going to have an altar time today. We're going to we're going to get with God today here in a little bit. You know, I was, I was worried, like, what was going to happen today because Jared was up here cracking jokes, and they were great ones. I was like, look at him go, and you guys weren't laughing at all. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. They, they're, they're sleepy today. But God showed up and changed that. So I'm so excited to preach tonight. I hope you're excited to listen. And God, God's going to do some work in us today, and I'm excited for that. Um, so when I say, and then you see it up there, be a crybaby, you know, hey, go ahead, be a crybaby. Usually when somebody says that, uh, you know, oh man, he was a crybaby. Or, uh, you know, I probably said this to my kids a couple times, stop being a crybaby, you know, just stop, stop crying about this and that. It, it usually carries a negative connotation with it, right? be a crybaby, don't be a crybaby. There's usually a negative connotation with that statement. But this morning, uh, I'm hoping to change that in your mind and in your thought process just a little because, like I said, I've titled it, Be a Crybaby. I want to give you permission today to be a crybaby. Now, don't write me off yet. Don't think, what is he talking about, me be a crybaby? No, let me... Let me unpack it for you a little bit, what I'm talking about. Now, in order for me to unpack this, we're going to have to take a little trip together. You guys all right with taking a little trip with me? And we're going to go all the way back, well, I don't know if it's all the way back to me, to 1985. All right, you guys ready? The 80s were cool, right? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) We're going to go back to 1985. Now, picture with me, it's 1985, wherever you were. Some of you probably weren't born, you know, some of you were already graduating college, I don't know. But anyway, just picture with me. It's 1985, and there's this cute little three-year-old boy who had blonde hair for most of the year, except for in the summer it turned white, but he was just the cutest little boy. He was energetic, had a wonderful personality that people would want to be around and hang out with him, and um, he listened to his parents for the most part, for most of the time, but every once in a while he'd get into just a little bit of mischief, all right? Uh, he, had a, he had a great dad who, and this dad could make his jeans into Daisy Dukes with one swift cut of a knife, you know? And this guy didn't even care that his legs were so white that people had to put sunglasses on to walk by him. I mean, there, this is serious stuff here. He had, um, he had beautiful uh, Farrah Fawcett hair, you know? You guys remember that stuff? Part down the middle, Ben Carpenter, you know what I'm talking about, right? For you? <laughs> I'll probably have to pay for that one later, but it was worth it. (laughs) His hair was beautiful. Um, He loved to get into his full-size van and turn up, you know, the ACDC or whatever he was listening to back in that day, and he just loved to turn it up and real loud so he couldn't hear nothing. All right, so that's where we're at. We got it all set up. The details are all set up. You have a cute little boy. You have a dad who likes music, gets into a van. Um, This, of course, is a story of me and my dad, who's in the room. It's kind of weird talking about it when he's staring right at you, but it's okay. He knows I'm right about the hair and the shorts, 
you know, we would go camp. Okay, that's another time. That's a different story for another day (laughs) when he's not here. All right, but... Uh, So this sets up a scene for a three-year-old Donnie, a great dad, and actually a tragic memory I have, all right? So on this particular day, I was three years old, my dad was heading out of the house to, I don't know where he was going, but I do remember him asking me if I wanted to go, and I was like, no, I don't want to go, dad, I'm going to stay here. And he asked me, I was like, nope, I'm just going to stay. My mom was in another room. I'm not sure what she was doing. Uh, Going to the bathroom. Uh, And (laughs) she was in another room. And so my dad headed out the door, jumped into the full-size van, cranked up the music, and he was heading on his way. And as soon as he was out and in the van and the music up, I decided that I want to go with him. So as a three-year-old boy, I said, see you later, Mom. And I bolted out the screen door, uh, and I ran to the van. I remember running behind the van, and, you know, I don't have a ton of memories, but this one I just, I remember so vividly. But I'm, I'm running out, and I'm running behind the van, and I'm yelling, and I'm screaming, hey, I want to go with, I want to go, you know. He can't hear me because he's just getting that hair going back and forth, you know, <laughs> in the van. <laughs> he can't hear me, and so... <clears throat> I jump on the running board. I jump on the running board of the van as it was moving, and I start to yell, Dad, I want to go with. I want to go with. You know, and of course, he can't remember, or he can't hear me still. And now, this next part, I don't know, it it was the Lord. It was the Lord watching over me, I guess. But uh, so I'm beating on the glass, and I'm yelling at him, and he doesn't hear me, and he keeps driving. And somehow, I end up slipping off of the running board and under the van. And he's driving. And I remember it's a gravel road, and I'm holding on. What am I holding on to? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know under the van what I'm holding on to, but I'm holding on to something. And he is driving down the road with me under the van, dragging me under the van. And that's where I just start to yell, and I start to scream, and I start to yell louder and louder and more urgently. Now, why is he going to hear me when I'm under the van versus when I was right by the van? I don't know, but I know my cries got more urgent at that moment when I'm under the van getting drugged down the street. And I start to yell and, and, and very loudly cry out to my dad. And he stops the van because for some reason he heard me. He stopped the van, got out, got under the van, got me out, and took me inside. And again, I remember them cleaning the scrapes off my back, picking rocks out of my back that day. And ultimately, that day, because my dad heard my urgent cry, he eventually saved my life. I I would think, I don't know what would have happened if, because I was holding on for dear life, I'm not sure what would happen, but he heard my very loud cry, my very urgent cry, and because of that, ultimately, I think that I was saved. Let's let's go ahead and unpack this idea of being a crybaby a little more. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and look up 2 Kings 20, chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. And uh, if you don't have your Bibles, go ahead and get your phones, your iPads, whatever you're using, Kindles. Does anybody use Kindles anymore? I don't know. Kindle Palm Pilots? No. Um, <clears throat> go ahead and get that. If you don't have any of that stuff, it's okay. It's going to be on the screen. Just read along with me. We're going to look at this story of Hezekiah, all right? Second uh, Kings chapter 20, verse 1. It says... In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order, because you are going to die. 
you will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Remember that, so that's all important. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back, tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I've heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and the city from the hand of the king of Syria. I will defend the city for my sake and for the sake of my servant, David. All right? <clears throat> this is what's happening in this passage of Scripture. You have the prophet Isaiah who gets a word from God to go to this other guy named Hezekiah and, and tell him some pretty bad news. I mean, like, it's the ultimate worst news ever. Isaiah has to go to Hezekiah, who is very sick and not doing so good, but Isaiah has to tell him to get all his stuff in order, get his house in order, because he's going to die. You're going to die, Hezekiah. Let's just stop there for a minute, and let's, let's all put ourselves in Isaiah's shoes for a minute. God goes to Isaiah, tells Isaiah he has to be the one to bear the worst news possible to Hezekiah. And, and these orders, like I said, are not just from any old boss. But you have orders from the main boss, God. God has says, go tell this guy to get his house in order because he's going to die. Now, I, I don't know about you guys. I don't always like to give bad news. In fact, I don't even like to tell when we're playing softball, I don't even like to tell people on my team that they can't play in a game. I mean, that, that, I, I, you have to sit. I'm sorry. Like, people get mad. I couldn't imagine going to somebody and saying, hey, God, God tells me something. You're going to die. You know, I, oh man, this is some harsh news that Isaiah has to do, but I, he does it. He listens to God, goes to Hezekiah and says, you're, you're going to die. Get your house in order. See you later. And he leaves. He doesn't stick around. Isaiah doesn't stick around. He doesn't, he doesn't comfort Hezekiah. He doesn't uh, help him get his affairs in order. He doesn't help him get his house in order. He's not there saying, what can I do for you, Hezekiah? I know this is a hard time for you. What, what do you need from me? No. Isaiah says, Get your house in order, you're going to die, and leaves. He's gone. All right, now let's, let's take a moment, and let's step into Hezekiah's shoes for a minute, all right? So Isaiah just comes. Now you're Hezekiah. He is sick and not feeling well. I mean, the scripture says, in those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. He already felt like junk. He did not feel good. He thought, man, whatever this ailment is— I'm going to die. He already felt that. He knew that. He already had that upon him. He probably didn't need somebody come, to come to him and say, hey, get your house in order because you're going to die. I mean, I, I actually wonder if when Isaiah was approaching, what was going through Hezekiah's mind? I wonder if Hezekiah saw Isaiah and saw this prophet of the Lord walking to him, and Hezekiah was maybe thinking, finally, some relief. God sent somebody to me. Maybe he's going to pray for me. Maybe he's going to uh, heal me. Maybe he's going to, I don't know. I wonder what was going through Hezekiah's mind. But what happened was God sent Isaiah to tell him the bad news. He wasn't there to heal him or to help him or anything. Isaiah just goes to him, says, get your house in order. You're going to die. You know, I just, I wonder what was going through Hezekiah's mind there. Like, I already know I'm going to die. I feel like I'm going to die. Why did you have to tell me I'm going to die? 
But, now I love what Hezekiah does next. I think this is something that we can really learn from today. Because uh, he doesn't go to Isaiah and start complaining. He doesn't say, are you kidding me, Isaiah? You came here just to tell me something I already knew? He doesn't get mad at God. He doesn't do any of that stuff. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't go to his family and say, man, look at at what happened. Isaiah came and he just told me I was going to die. He didn't pray for me. He didn't help me. He didn't do anything. He just said I was going to die and he left. He doesn't go to Isaiah and say, hey, Isaiah, I know that you hear from the Lord and the Lord speaks to you. So will you go to God for me and tell God to heal me instead of having God, you know, tell me I'm going to die. Will you do that? Hezekiah doesn't do any of that. No, instead of complaining or having Isaiah do the work for him, Hezekiah does exactly what we need to do, and we need to, we need to find ourselves doing more in tough situations. We need to cry out to the Father. We need to ask the Father urgently, all right? It's more than just crying out to God or complaining to God. It's asking Him urgently, I wonder how many in here has ever said, you know what? God knows what I need. Why do I have to ask for it? I mean, I know I've done that before. It's like, why do I have to ask God for something that he already knows that I need and he can heal me? He can, he can uh, you know, save my, my, my kids. He can do this. Why do I have to ask him? And why do I have to ask him urgently? Just imagine if Hezekiah would not have cried out to God in this moment. He would have died. He would not have had 15 extra years added to his life. And even more than that, the city that he was living in could have possibly went to the Assyrians. God healed the city too because Hezekiah cried out. So why didn't any of this stuff happen? It didn't happen because Hezekiah responded like this. 2 Kings 20 verses 2 and 3 shows us. It says, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And then Hezekiah wept bitterly. How awesome would it be if we would do what Hezekiah did? If we had a situation pop up and instead of whining about it and crying about it and talking to everybody else in the room or having you know, somebody else pray for you and, and talk to God on your behalf, we just went straight to God and cried out and wept urgently for him to meet our needs and take care of the situation that we are facing. We have to put our faith into action sometimes. And that looks like getting on our face and urgently crying out to the Lord. I think we get this attitude of, I have faith. I know how big my God is. I know that he is there. So why do I have to ask him? Why, why do I have to cry out for him to meet my needs? We get in this thing of, all I need is faith. And yes, faith is something we have to have. Don't mix that up. We do have to have faith, but it's not the only thing that we should have. The Bible says in James 2, 26, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Some, trans, some translations say faith without works is dead. So it's not this either you have faith or you have works. It's this we need to have faith and works. We have both. It's not one or the other. It's both. 
We serve a God who wants to heal you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to be there for you. He has done his part when he sent his son to die on the cross for us. He is waiting for us to self-activate and do something. And maybe it's as simple as crying out to him and crying urgently to him. You have faith. You believe. You have your house in order. Now maybe you just need to urgently cry out to him. It's time that you know, maybe we'd be a little bit of a crybaby, all right? I love what it says in Psalms 116, one through six. It says, I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. I think it's time for some of us to cry urgently out to the Lord. When you feel like you're getting choked out by this life, how many of you have ever felt like you're just getting choked out by this life? I know, I think we all have one time or another. Or, or maybe you feel like you're getting choked out by the situations that you found yourself in, then maybe, just maybe it's time to cry out to him. Stop going to people and asking them to fix your problems, but cry out to God and let him take care of you. Because guess what? Our God wants to help you. He wants to be in the middle of whatever you're going through. I think back to being under that van. You know, if I wouldn't have cried out, I probably wouldn't be alive today. If I would have just laid there and thought, well, he's driving. He knows what I need at this point. I mean, clearly, I'm a kid under a van. He knows that he needs to stop the van and get me out of here. What would have happened if I just sat there and thought that? He wouldn't have stopped. <laughs> the, the results could have been disastrous, you know? But, but because I cried out and I cried urgently, my father heard my cry, stopped the van, and took care of me. We serve a God who wants to take care of you. He wants you to be blessed and for you to have a wonderful life but it's our turn to cry out urgently to him. Second thing that we have to do is we have to trust that the Father hears us. Trust the Father hears you. As we are crying out to God, we also have to realize that he hears us and he has our best interest in mind. This is the part where faith comes in. You have to have both. Remember, it's not, you know, faith or works. It's faith and works. This is the part where faith comes in. So we put the work in, and at the same time, we put the faith in, and we trust that God is listening to us, his children. If we look back at Hezekiah, we can see that's exactly what God did, or Hezekiah did. He stepped out in faith. He put the work in by going and praying and weeping bitterly. Then he believed that God heard his voice. And guess what? God heard Hezekiah's prayers. Let's, let's look again at 2 Kings 20, uh, verses 4 through 6. Uh, it says, before Isaiah had left the middle court, I don't know how far the middle court was. And I don't know, I don't, I, do you know how, how far the middle court? I, I just feel like it wasn't that far away, though. Because instantly, you know, I, Hezekiah went and prayed and weeped bitterly. And then God said, hey, hey, Isaiah, turn around. He was only in the middle court. I don't feel like he was that far away. And the word, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father, David, says. I have heard. God was listening. 
And God heard, said, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go to the temple of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. God heard and acted on the cry that Hezekiah let out. All because Hezekiah cried out with an urgent cry to the Father. God heard him and responded to his child. In fact, God heard his cries and changed the whole direction of his life and the whole direction of the city that he was living in. God's going to go above and beyond. God went above and beyond in Hezekiah's life. Hezekiah was just praying for himself. And God said, I hear you. I hear you, bro. Let me heal you and your land. You know, that's, that is cool. There was no guarantee that the Lord was going to heal Hezekiah, but Hezekiah didn't care. He wanted, he went and prayed and trusted that God was going to hear him and heal him. It doesn't hurt us one bit to be a little bit of a crybaby and cry out to God and believe that he's going to hear, hear us. As a three-year-old kid, I couldn't comprehend what I was doing. I just knew that I had to scream so my dad could hear my voice. I had to yell. I had to be urgent in what I was doing so my dad could hear my voice and stop the van. Just because he couldn't hear me when I was right by the window didn't mean I should stop yelling and crying out urgently. I think a lot of times we get into those modes. Well, I've asked a couple times. I've cried a couple times. I've asked him. You know, he know he's not doing it, so I'm done. The ball's in his court now. No, he did everything when he sent his son to die on the cross. So the ball is always in our court. Don't give up. You know, as long as there was breath in my lungs when I was under that van, and there was a chance that my dad could hear my voice and change the direction that my life was heading in in that moment, I was going to use every single breath that I had in my lungs to yell out and to cry out until he heard my voice. We need to do the same thing with God. If, if you have a need or a healing or you're wanting your child to come back to the Lord because they have gone away for a while, let me encourage you today. If you have breath in your lungs, then you need to get on your knees and you need to weep bitterly for those kids, for that healing, for that situation, whatever uh, you find yourself in right now. You need to keep going. God has given you that breath. Use it and cry out to him. Ask. Don't just give up because you feel like, well, he's not listening. He is listening to his child. Then have confidence and faith that God is going to do what he says he's going to do and that he hears you. 1 John 5, 14 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That's important. His will, his will he hears us. 1 Peter three twelve says, for the eyes of the Lord are, are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Don't give up on crying out to God because you feel like he, has, because you feel like he hasn't uh, listened to you. Don't give up on crying out to God because he hasn't given up on you. Don't just sit there and think, well, it's been a while, and God hasn't answered my prayers, so he must not be listening. No. Your job is to act by crying out to him and trust that the Father hears you and let God do his job. And his job is to listen and respond according to his will. I think that's where we get mixed up a lot. It's according to his will, not Donnie's will, not Megan's will, 
not your will, but according to his will, he's going to respond and answer. And that might be different than yours. It might be different than mine, but we have to trust that he hears us and he knows what's best because our father knows what's best. We need to do our part and let God do his part. Don't mix those up. It's terrible when you mix those up. All right? Let God do his part, and we need to do our part. So be, be a little bit of a crybaby. Ask the Father urgently. Trust that the Father hears you, because he does. The next thing that we need to do is we need to realize <clears throat> that the Father is near. This is big. The Father is near. Something I know that comforts and helps my kids is when things are tough in their lives, knowing that I'm near. Let me explain. About two years ago, uh, we bought Molly an electric scooter, all right? Now, we got her for her birthday, and let me tell you, this thing can fly, all right? I mean, it can go up to, well, the last year's model was 10 miles per hour, but this year, it's like 12. Now, I know that doesn't seem that fast, but if you know my wild, crazy, awesome child, Molly, you know she is going to push that thing to its limits. How about this? How about me, me, instead of me explaining it to you, let me just show you, all right? So Molly, come on in. We got a little scooter here. Come on, Molly, let's see what that thing can do. <laughs> yeah, that's just a platform there she almost hit. No big deal. <laughs> it's got an electric, little, little electric engine on it, and she just books through the town, anywhere. I mean, like, it's... Mad, it took Maddie a whole year to, before she got on uh, one of those scooters. And Molly was like, the day she got it, shoom, just down. I mean, like, just doesn't, doesn't care about anything. She was gone. Now, you can see how fast that goes. And it, it, it feels really fast when you're outside on a sidewalk and you're watching her go. And I don't know, she does this thing a lot. <laughs> you know, it doesn't get, you're going fast. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, okay, uh, so you can see that that's Molly, and she just flies with it and stuff like that. And so you know, uh, if you know Megan, my wife, she's a little bit of a safety monitor, and she worries a little bit, just a little, right? Devin knows. <laughs> got a good laugh out of that one. Uh, but she's a little bit of a safety monitor because, honestly, if it was me, I would have unboxed it, uh, set it up, said, Go. Don't worry about a helmet. Let, let's just see how fast you can go. Get on the thing. Oh, in fact, how about this? I'll get in the car. You get in that. Let's race. Like, that, that's just me, though, all right? I want to see, you know, I, I think I could beat her in a car. But anyway, but luckily, <laughs> my wife is a little more cautious than that. So she's like, hey, let's get her a helmet. Let's teach her, teach her how to ride it. Take it easy. No reason to go super fast. Don't race any cars. Don't race, you know, your dad running or anything like that. So I finally reassured Megan that everything was going to be all right and that everything would be safe and cool. Let's do it. So I, got, I convinced her. Let's do it. So we bought it, and she got on it. On the first day that she gets it, which was her birthday, she practiced for a little while. She did great. Um, <clears throat> and she asked me, she came to me, and she says, hey, can we go around the block? I'm like, yeah, get your helmet. You know, let's do it. And so she wrote it, and I walked behind her. All right, and uh, we're going around, and again, you know, Molly's just like this, and I kept telling her, don't look back. Look forward. Keep looking forward. There's no reason. I'm right behind you. I'm not going to leave you. Keep looking forward. And, of course, she's like, what? And she looks back, and as soon as she looks back, the front wheel slides off of the sidewalk, and this uh, nice yard had it edged very well, so that front wheel slipped right into that edging and stopped that scooter cold in its track, 
You know who it didn't stop? <laughs> Molly. Molly went flying off of the scooter. She clipped the sidewalk and she starts bleeding and crying and calling out to me. And I run to her and I grab her. I pick her up off of the grass and she's bloody and it's just disgusting. And, <laughs> and so I, I get her inside and I bandage her up. And she, she, you know, it took her about a day before she got back on, but that's Molly. She'll, she'll get back on. And so she got back on the scooter and, you know, she, She's learned, though, very clearly to keep her eyes forward. But there was just comfort in knowing that I was near. Let me give you another example. Just uh, like last week or something, we had a thunderstorm here in town. It wasn't the, however you say that, Durango. Yeah, you, you all know what I'm talking about. It wasn't that one. It was like a few days after that, and it was just a, a, a really nice thunderstorm. Like, I love thunderstorms. So I was sleeping fine in my bed. And uh, it was a lot of lightning and a lot of thunder. And um, our other daughter, Maddie, she is not a huge fan of thunderstorms. So I guess she was in our room already, kind of, you know, with Megan and hugging up on Megan and stuff like that. But there was just one point in this thunderstorm where there was just this loud, loud crack of thunder. And I thought, I don't know what. I was like, what? It woke me up. And it turned Maddie into the flash. I mean, it, it was, I've never seen anybody run from one side of the bed all the way to the other side of the bed and yell, Dad, as fast as she did. I mean, like, I was like, it scared, she scared me more than the, the thunder did. I was like, how did you get over here so fast? <laughs> she booked it over there, and her first word, Daddy, and she just boom, grabs onto me. In both of those instances, the girls wanted their dad. Why did they want their dad in those instances? It's not because mom wasn't there for them. In fact, she was and caring for them. It's not because their mom doesn't love them and can't, can't comfort them. It's none of that stuff because their mom is great at all. It's way better than me, actually, <laughs> if you want to get down to it. I'm, I'm like, Molly, just put a Band-Aid on and get back on the scooter. There's no, it's just, just your bone. It's fine. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not mean like that, but... <laughs> Uh, you're going to be all right, you know, it's, it's good. But Megan's like, oh, let's, let's just cuddle for a little bit. It's going to be okay. Let me bandage it up. Let me put a, she, way more than I would. But, so she's good at caring for the kids. And, uh, but if we go back to the story of Hezekiah, we see the same thing. Isaiah brings the bad news to Hezekiah, and Hezekiah doesn't go back to Isaiah and ask him to go to God for God to change his mind. No, Hezekiah goes straight to his father. Hezekiah goes to God and cries out to God. At that moment, at that time, when things looked the worst, Hezekiah needed God. He needed his father to intervene and be there for him. I love what Pastor Barry said last week, how he said, you know, we can, we can walk a million miles away from God, but it only takes one step to get back to him. I love that statement. We should take comfort in that. Something that I realized um, in, in my time in ministry is that at times it's hard for people to believe that the Father is near, that our Heavenly Father is near. Most of the time it's because they, we, we try to compare our Heavenly Father to our earthly Father, and we can't compare our Heavenly Father to our earthly Father. Because sometimes we have an earthly Father, well, who isn't good. Sometimes we have an earthly Father who, who makes mistakes all the time. We have earthly fathers who make mistakes. I mean, we all, as dads, make mistakes and they mess up, and maybe they've left a void inside you. So we can't do that, but I'm here to tell you today, the Lord is not like your earthly father. He is always there for you. 
He's always there to comfort you. He is always near to us. Again, we walk a million miles and he's right there right when we turn around because he's always near to us. And it's up to us to believe that. 2 Corinthians 6, 16 through 18 says, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I mean, look at the promises that come from that scripture alone. He promises to live with us, walk with us, welcome us, that we can be his sons and his daughters. Our Father is always near to us. And if we really take that to heart, then when things feel like they are tumbling out of control, we, have, we know we have a Father who's right there with us. And we don't have to worry about the situations. We can go to him. We can cry out urgently to him. And he is right there for us. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my right hand, righteous hand. Psalm 23.4, Even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Joshua 1, 9, uh, I, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. There are so many more scriptures just like that throughout the whole Bible that I could have written down. The scriptures that tell us, don't worry. Don't be afraid. Be strong. Be courageous. Take comfort because God is near to you. He's near to his children. Today, you might feel like you have been asking God for something for a long time. I want to encourage you uh, this morning to ask again. Go ahead and be a crybaby. I mean, uh, and by that I mean cry out to God again and again and again. As long as there's breath in your lungs, don't stop crying out to God. And cry urgently out to God. And he will answer, answer your cries according to his will. His will. Stop going to everybody else and go directly to the source. Go directly to God. Maybe today you feel like I did when I was stuck under the van or, you, or when Hezekiah was told that he was going to die. You feel pain. You feel sad. You don't, you don't know where to turn. Turn to God. Cry out to him day after day after day. Don't be ashamed of going back to God again and again. After you go to him, don't let Satan lie to you and tell you that, that he isn't listening. You need to trust that when you cry, God hears your cry, because he does. We serve a loving God who wants the best for his children. He wants to see you healed and whole. He wants to see your loved ones come to know him. God wants the best for you. So cry out to him and trust that he hears your cry. Because the Father in heaven he knows when to stop the van. <laughs> he knows when to answer. He hears your cry, and he knows, according to your, his will, when to answer that cry. And don't doubt for one minute that he's not listening, because he is. He isn't planning on ever leaving you just to dangle out there. I mean, I think a lot of us have heard the scripture, but Deuteronomy 30, 31, 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That is the type of father that we have. Dev, the worship team could come on up here. Um, 
So this is what I want to encourage you with today, and I want to, I want to put it into action, all right? Um, whatever you're going through, whatever you've been asking God for, I want to challenge you to ask him again. Ask him again. As long as there's breath in your lungs, ask him again. We have some time, which I meant to do that, so that's awesome. Whatever you've been asking God for, ask him again. But this time, I want you to build an altar wherever you're at. If you're here and you uh, feel comfortable using these altars, use these altars. If you're at home, use your couch. Use your, use your love seat. Use your bed. Wherever you're at, if you're at home, build yourself an altar. And, and whatever you're going through, give it to God. Cry urgently out to your heavenly Father because he hears you and he is near to you. Don't just give up and don't just say, oh, God knows my needs. I don't need to bother him. Bother him. Talk to him. He's there. He loves you. He loves his children. So take it to him and keep taking it to him until he gives you an answer. Man, that's what I love about that Hezekiah story is that he went right to God and he just took it right to God and God gave him an answer. So we need to do that. So that's what I want to do today. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then the worship team is going to go ahead and start. And if you have a situation or a problem or you have, you know, loved ones that you want to come see the Lord, or if you have whatever this request is that you have had, and you want to, I just want you to give it back to God and keep crying it out, whatever that is. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go ahead and, and just take some time at the altar, giving it back to God. Lord, we come, God, and we just thank you for this day, God. I thank you for this word, Lord. And I just ask that, that God, that it spoke to somebody here uh, or, or at home, Lord. I just hope that it spoke to somebody, God. And, Lord, whatever people are going through, Lord, I just ask that they would just cry out to you, that they would give it to you, God, that they would have the faith that you would hear them and that you would, you would move in their lives, God, but they would also uh, put the work in, too, that we need to put in, God. And Lord, I just pray that as we leave here today or as we come to the altar today, Lord, that you would just start answering the cries of your kids' hearts, Lord. Your will be done, Lord. I thank you, God, for meeting us here, for seeing us here, Lord. And God, I just ask that, that we would just meet with you again, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.